Let's ask the Lord to help us. Now, Father, thank you again for the opportunity to be here this morning. We've been blessed today. I've been in church, been blessed by the presence of each and every one in this room. And I pray now you'll help us as we open the Bible. Speak to our hearts now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Time of message is the par- partner, partner in the work. Partner in the work. <clears throat> Apostles in the previous chapter here that we just read, we just read in chapter number seven. And in chapter number six, we find out something that happened to the, the men that we read about in chapter number seven, or chapter number six. And what had happened to them in, in, in verse, I'm, I'm sorry, in chapter number, uh, I, got, I said the wrong thing, but in chapter number five, we find out that in, the previous, in that chapter there, those men were beaten. Those men were commanded not to preach the gospel. I don't know what's going on with my voice. Let me <clears throat> run back and get me some water off my desk, would you please? Don't put your mouth on it, all right? I don't know about you send your grandson to go do something. I'm not too sure what will happen. But, uh, <clears throat> but they, these men were, 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 were held there and beaten and, and told that they couldn't preach anymore in the name of Christ. In fact, let's go back up to chapter number 5 and verse number uh, 40, and we'll look and see as I take a drink of water real quick. Thank you, sir. You don't have to throw it at me. All righty. I think I'll be all right now. But I want you to look at verse number 40 of chapter number 5. The Bible says, And to him they agreed, and when they had called the apostles and... Look what they did. Beaten them. They commanded that they should not speak in the name of Jesus and then let them go. And they departed from the presence of the council. Notice that next word. What's it say? Rejoicing. Boy, they must not have been Baptist folks, huh? Rejoicing that they were kind of worthy to suffer shame for his name. And daily in the temple and in every house, they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. I think it's interesting, these men, as they were taken in, they were beaten. I don't know about you, but I mean, just kind of picture it. I know we sit in the pew, in the pew today and say, you know, what's the big deal? They were beaten. They were beaten. And they were commanded not to preach and speak in the name of Jesus. And then they were let go. But here they're warned, and what do they do? The next thing you find here that, that when this happened, that, that they, they came from there rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame. Rejoicing. You know, I'm, I'm afraid the average Christian, after they've been beaten and said, you can't do that, doesn't rejoice a lot. I'll be honest with you, I've not been beaten for the things of God. Nobody's come beating me, but I have been told, you can't do that here. And I'm going to make a confession I've always grumbled and griped instead of rejoicing. Whenever they said, you can't do that here. We got a, we got a letter from the home, uh, the brethren home up here. What, what's it called? Uh, village. village. They sent us a letter and said, a cease and desist letter. You can't come up here and you can't talk to the people about heaven. You can't talk to them about being saved. They said one of our track, we gave the ladies made up some bookmarkers that had the plan of salvation 
And the plan of salvation said the wage of sin is death. It means separation from God and hell. And what happens, the man got upset about it. He says, you had hell on that, on that little bookmarker. And then I ask him, I'm glad sometimes my brain works fast. And I ask him, I said, do you have any Bibles in the home? He said, why, sure, there's one in every room. I said, you might want to get rid of them because it talks about hell in there. And honestly, I was not happy he told me to cease and desist. I was not happy about that when I've gone to places before and said, you can't do that here. Maybe I need to change my attitude. Because these men, when they were warned not to do it, they went and did it and rejoiced. That they were willing to suffer for the Lord Jesus Christ. They're rejoicing. I thought, why aren't they whining? Aren't they like you and I? They were made out of the same stuff you and I are made out of, but they weren't whining about it. They just went and got busy. You know, we sometimes were so proud, we're so proud about ourselves that we're not worried about or concerned about doing something for the Lord Jesus Christ. These men were not crying, saying, well, we're never going to go and, and talk to anybody else about the Lord. Why, why they did not appreciate us coming there. And I'm sure that they went out, and I'm sure they put themselves out to be able to go and preach the gospel. But it wasn't about that. They were going to try to help people. They were serving God. What a great opportunity to serve the Lord. What a great opportunity. They weren't crying and willing to give up. They didn't say, well, we'll just go home. What did they do? And daily, it said in verse 42, and daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Man, they did not stop. They didn't say, well, we're not allowed. They did not say, well, we feel bad. Someone said some bad things to us. Well, we're mad because we got beaten. They weren't saying, Lord, this isn't fair. They just went on and served the Lord. What an honor to serve God. I've said what an honor it is to serve God. Maybe you'll say amen if you start serving him. Find out how wonderful it is to be able to serve him. I talked to my Sunday school class here this morning about us having a ministry that will touch other people's lives. We come to church, we think the idea is I come to church and that's all right. It validates everything. The thing is, we come to church, we get something, and then we take it for our ministry as we reach other people, as we talk to other people, as we try to witness to people and help people along the way. So off these disciples went, serving the Lord, and the number of disciples was multiplied. Look at down, we get then after this, after they've been beaten and they're rejoicing, count it worthy to suffer for shame, suffer shame for his name, and daily in the temple and in every house they cease not to teach and preach Jesus Christ. Now don't let the chapter division worry you here. Because they went on, didn't they? Go to verse one of chapter six, and in those days. What days? The days just right when this is happening. And in those days when the number of the disciples was multiplied. Isn't that something that they kept on doing? What they were doing was causing the number of disciples, the number of people following Christ to be multiplied. You know, I thought that's pretty neat. It didn't say added. Multiplied means more, doesn't it? Four plus four is, well, let's see how you did. Four times four, which is more. Amen. Well, isn't that cute? I even rhymed it. Aren't you proud of me this morning? But the, the disciples were multiplied. I mean, how good is that? 
How wonderful it is they were multiplied. Why, why the beating did not stop them and, and, and the warnings did not stop them. They were ready to keep on going. In fact, they did. And now things are multiplying there for them. But something happened. Man, I'm telling you what. What happened happens even today. Verse 1, and in those days when the number of the disciples were multiplied, praise the Lord, hallelujah. And then the bad news. And there arose a what? Murmuring. You know that word? Murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. Why? Because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. Murmuring. I looked up in the Webster 1828 Dictionary. By the way, it's one you ought to look at. It says this, uttering complaints in a low voice or a sullen manner. Grumbling, complaining. Now the guys did. The guys that were rejoicing, those disciples, they didn't. They were rejoicing, but now these folks here, what are they doing? They're murmuring. Sounds like what happens oftentimes in our churches, doesn't it? We grumble, we gripe. You know, I know sometimes people are loud about it. They're loud and boisterous about things, and they just want to get up in a service sometimes. It happens, you know, the service, well, I just like to let my, uh, my grievances be known. I just want to do it. And then there are those who like to whisper it. That's murmuring. Murmuring about a problem. You say, but preacher, there are problems. Welcome to the world. They begin to murmur about it and, and, and letting, letting others know how they feel. They're loud and boisterous. They don't care who knows. But the murmur is like this. They pick certain ones out to let them know and take it to them because they think maybe they could win them to their side or they could fix something by murmuring. I don't find anywhere in the Bible that murmuring is a good thing. But just as bad as the loud mouth that spouts off out all the time it's just as bad to be a murmurer that complains by whispering other, to others their gripes. You see, things don't always go right and things don't always get done. Go home and you'll find that out. Right? And in the house of God, sometimes that happens too. Now, you've been blessed to have a perfect pastor. But you found it. Thank the Lord for those that don't know what I'm talking about. All right. <laughs> but, you know, you, you think, think about, uh, you, you've been here any time. You know that not everything gets done. Not everything's done the way you want it to be done. Sometimes there's problems. But here's the thing. How do we react to those things? I've been praying about something for a long time. Why not do something? Novel idea, isn't it? Well, see, these, these folks here, they said, you know, they have a problem, and they, they figured out a way to solve the problem. Now, what was the problem? They're murmuring about something, but they're not doing something about it. And the idea was this. Get this. The, the way to handle the situation was not to split the church. The way to handle the situation was not to cause division in the church. It was to solve the problem. And they really had a problem, didn't they? The widows were not being taken care of. 
And so we find the Bible said there in verse 1, the middle part says, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews. The Grecians are saying, you're not taking care of our widows. I have to say from reading this portion of scripture, that evidently was a true thing. Everything doesn't always go right. Everything doesn't always get done. They had a legitimate problem. But there were some things more important than the widows not being taken care of. Amen. Look at what it says. He said, he said, he said to verse 2, Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables taking care of the widows. Is the word of God important? Is the taking care of the widows important? Can we do both things? Yes. We find out from this story we can. And so here were these, 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 there there was a legitimate problem, but the truth of the matter was, there was something, I believe, more important than just taking care of the widows. It was the word of God. If If taking care of the widows was the most important thing, Those preachers there would have stopped preaching and took care of the widows. But they said, we can't leave this showing me how important the word of God was and the preaching of the word of God. It ought not bother us today if something is not done. It ought to concern us that we're listening and paying attention and getting something from the word of God. That's what these people, they're coming together. They're not, they're, they're not thinking about the word of God. These men have studied. These men have, have prepared. They've been preaching the word of God. What do they do? And did you notice they're not taking care of the widows? The tables aren't needing to take care of. They're not doing their job on that. They're not taking care of that. Oh, it was a problem. And somebody needed to do something about it. Now, I don't know about your Bible. My Bible, I have a Schofield reference Bible. I've always used Schofield. But where it says chapter 6, how many of you this morning in your Bible it says underneath that, the first deacons? Raise your hand. All right, good many of you. First deacons. Now, understand something. I believe the Bible is verbally inspired of God. The notes are not. The notes are not. Say, well, Dr. So-and-so said this. Too bad. We're looking to see what the notes say. Now, the note says it was deacons, but I looked this over and looked this over. I don't find where it says it was deacons. You see, but the Bible talks about later on in the New Testament about deacons and how they're chosen. I know, and they're to be men full of the Holy Spirit. The fact of the matter is, everybody's to be full of the Holy Spirit. I don't know necessarily. It could have been the first deacons. A lot of people say it was the first deacons. I, I, years ago, I used to say that. But as I read my Bible and studied my Bible more, I don't find that it says they were deacons. These were men, though, that God, God I believe, had, had ready to do something. And so my Bible, in, in, the, in the notes, it says the first deacons. But I read the scriptures, which are inspired. And it just says this. Then the twelve called them all to the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report. He didn't say go find you seven deacons. He said find seven men to take care of the widows. They were men in the work of the Lord. 
and to see to it that the daily ministration would be taken care of. They were to be pointed over that business there. I understand the work of the Lord is important. Amen. Sunday school is important. Bible school coming up is important. Folks working in the Bible school, I hope you'll take it serious. Say, preacher, I don't know how many kids will be here. I don't either, but if there's one here, it's still serious business. We don't look at everything that goes on at the church as something serious. Something big in our lives. And this is what was happening here. They have got a problem. But the thing was not to give up. Not to cast it aside. But to do something about it. To find somebody that will step up and partner in the ministry. That's what my title is. He says we've got to get some folks to do it. Well we find what they were like. Verse 3 again. Wherefore brethren look ye out among you seven men of honest report. That's a good thing for a Christian to be, isn't it? Think maybe everybody ought to be that? Yeah, I think so. How about this? Full of the Holy Ghost. Should we be full of the Holy Ghost? Hey, are you saved this morning? Holy Ghost lives within you. The Bible says we're to be filled with them, though. And wisdom. Do we need some wisdom? A bunch of stupid stuff flying around the world today. We need some wisdom. Whom we may appoint over this business. Not over the preaching of the word of God, not over that teaching there, but to, over this business here of taking care of these widows and waiting on the tables. Said it's important, we need somebody to step up to help out with this work of the ministry. So what were these men going to do? Take care of the tables and take care of the widows. The widows are important ladies. Amen. You understand, a widow doesn't have her husband anymore. She doesn't have the guy to open the pickle jar up. Doesn't have someone to do things around the house. And God said, watch out for the widows. I believe it was God wanting these ladies to be taken care of too. But the thing was, the sad part about it was, the, 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 the Grecians, all they did to help the matter was complain. You know, the first ones that should have done something was the Grecians. Because they noticed there was a problem. They noticed that there was a need. But they murmured. Hey, did you notice? They didn't do this. They didn't do that. Did you see that person's not being taken care of? Did you see, you know, that's somebody, they don't, they don't have much clothes. And boy, I'll tell you, somebody ought to do something about it. Did you ever stop and think, if God put it in your sight, maybe he wants you to do something about it? So, preacher, I really couldn't afford a lot of stuff. Uh, you know what? You can go to secondhand stores and you can just be a friend of somebody. You can help someone. You can call someone. You can send them a card. You can be nice to them. There's something we can do instead of murmur. What's interesting here is God gave qualifications to be a helper. Qualifications for the service of serving the Lord. And I began to think about these, and then I want to bring the message on these few things here about the qualifications to help, to be a partner. What I find about these men, these seven men that were chosen, they were committed men. 
They were committed Christians. You know, the Bible says in 1 Timothy chapter 6, in verse number 20, Oh, Timothy, keep that which is committed to thy trust, avoiding praying, a profane and vain babblings and oppositions of science falsely so-called. Committed. You know what it means to be committed? To give of yourself to that. Uh, you know, people sometimes will say, why, why have you been at Heritage Baptist for almost 40 years? I committed myself to it. I said, this is my church unless God moves me. I've had people wanting me to move. But I'm always able to say this. I was here first. But you know, I, I, I want to be committed. You don't wonder if I'm going to be here unless I'm sick or I'm away on vacation or something. That very seldom happens. You know I'm here. Why? Committed. We need to be committed. Sunday school teachers, thank God for committed Sunday school teachers that keep just going there. You don't have to worry about it. You don't have to keep contact all the time. Just always doing nursery workers. And on we can go about folks committed. These people who are there to help these widows you may not think a big deal about. Isn't it amazing though? God entered it in the word of God. Bible says 2 Corinthians 8 5 and this they did not as we hoped but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God you know what will help you to be a servant for the Lord give yourself to the Lord first and then it won't be hard to be a blessing to other people amen amen committed what's committed mean means a changed mind Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 says, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. We need to have a changed mind. We ought to let the Lord guide our minds. We have, you know, I'm afraid we live in this world so much we begin to think like this world. We start thinking like God says to think. Follow what the word. Think on these things. God has given us a whole list of things to think about. We need a clean heart. Ephesians 5.26 says that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. You said, preacher, how can I have a clean heart? You get in the word of God. I said, you get in the word of God. You just bathe in the word of God. It'll clean you. And then I believe a committed Christian is one that's, that has a controlled will. A controlled will. John chapter number 16, verse 13 says, How be it when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. What? God's will. Be controlled by his will. Can you imagine these men here? They, they, they've, they've come, they've, 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 they've looked out for seven men, honest report, full of the Holy Ghost, wisdom, and point them over this business. Go find these men. And, and they go and they find the men. And, 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 and it pleased the whole multitude when they found some men. Think about it. These were great men that were willing to serve tables, take care of somebody else. I'm so glad they didn't have the attitude, let someone else do it. I'm too busy. There's enough people who could do it. Boy, if everybody has that attitude, nothing will ever get done. God wants us totally committed. And these men, I mean, you just read the list of those men off. You start out with Stephen. Man, was, and there's no doubt in your mind how committed Stephen was. And what? Taking care of the widows. Waiting on the tables while the preacher was up there getting ready, studying the Word of God, preaching the Word of God. Now, I'm not saying today, don't let me do anything else. 
I'm willing to do anything anyone else would do. But here's the thing. All of us need to be busy. There are souls dying and going to hell. How about instead of just ask the preacher to witness to them, you witness to them. How about you doing something for somebody else instead of saying, you know, somebody ought to do something for them. How about you do something for them? That's what was happening here. There was a need, and the need was taken care of that the murmurs were never going to take care of. We need to be committed. When a pilot of one of these big jets that take off, if you've ever gone on a jet before, it's pretty awesome. You buckle down, get in there, tell you to stay in your seat, and all of a sudden the plane starts backing up, and then it goes over towards the runway, and it gets at the beginning of the runway. And you're sitting there, and your heart starts to beat a little bit harder because you know you're about to take off into the sky. You're sitting on, t- on top of thousands of gallons of explodable fuel. With a bunch of people, you don't know what disease they got. And a pilot you hope is not drunk. And if he came in with a C&I dog, you better get off that plane. But you get on that plane. And all of a sudden, you know what he does? He starts to rev the engines. You hear those big jet engines. And I can't do a good jet engine, but he's got to they go. That plane jumps a little bit, you know. You think, man, we're about to get ready. And he lets it die down. And he revs it up again. And then lets it die down. And all of a sudden it comes up. And it's really, you could tell, man, we're about to. And then all of a sudden you start moving forward and going fast. And you hear or you, you feel all the bumps in the road, you know, in the runway, all the little uh, 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 lines across there, what do they call those, those cuts they have. And you go along and all of a sudden you hear, da-doom, da-doom. And it gets faster and faster. I mean, you're going faster and faster. And what if all of a sudden the pilot, he's three-fourths of the way down. He goes, you know what? I don't think I want to do this. You're going to crash. It doesn't have enough time to stop. You're going to crash at the end of the runway. You know what happens? The pilot gets in there, and he's committed I'm getting this plane off the ground. And he pushes it forward, and there it goes. And he comes to that place where there's no return. Because if you try, you're going to crash. And he keeps going forward. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to be that committed. Say, you know what? I am not going to stop. I'm not going to pull back. I'm just going to keep on going until Jesus comes. I'll be committed unto the work of the Lord. I had different ones at Shooter's Expo saying, well, you've been there a long time, man. Yeah, when you quit and when you retire. And I said, I'm not retiring. Don't plan on it. I said, I plan on just, just dying, you know, and be done. And he said about I had a preacher one time said he was going to die in the pulpit. And everybody said, don't do that. And I've had you say that to me, too. Just roll me over to the side. Let Seth finish the sermon. Amen. You can bury me some other time. Just make sure we take the offering. We need to be committed. But I believe, secondly, we need to be consistent. Consist, consistent. You notice in verse number three, I just read the first part to you. Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest what? Interesting word. The word report 
is the root word where we get the term witness. These men, I believe, were men of honest report. In other words, what? They were witnesses. That's what the word means. They were witnesses. You ever have someone come to your door before and they were Jehovah witnesses? They're false witnesses. But let me tell you what. You and I are to be true witnesses. Witnessing, telling people about Christ. It's amazing to me. As we knock on doors, how many people have no idea how to go to heaven? I'm like, hasn't anybody witnessed to you? We talked to a man 80 years old this past week. Had no idea, and yet he went to church. He went to church years and years, and yet had no idea how to go to heaven. I'm thinking, who has been there to witness to him? We were there the other night. We got to witness. He wouldn't get saved, but I'll tell you what. He found out there was two men at his door that was going to give him a witness. We need to be consistent in our witnessing. It's a rare thing these days. But evidently it was something important back in those days. And I have to say this, I believe it's important in our days too. I mean, how many Christians are witnessing? When's the last time someone asked you, hey, do you know Jesus as your Savior? Hey, if you died today, you know you go to heaven. You know what? Most of us in the room would say, no one's ever asked me that or very few. As many people who say they're saved, it ought to be all the time. Amen. Such hypocrisy and inconsistency on the part of Christians. And what we do, we become more of a stumbling block. What they did, they looked out some men there to take care of the widows, to take care of the tables there that were witnesses. Consistent leaders, not wishy-washy. They wanted someone who will take a stand. I believe we all take that stand, amen? Times have changed. That Bible's not changed. People change, preachers change, but the Bible never changes. If I'm going to be a Bible preacher, I've got to follow what this book says. And all preachers need to do that, and all Christians need to do it too, by the way. Say, well, preacher, I think you need to be consistent. May I say something then? You're welcome to say that. Preacher, you ought to be consistent. Thank you very much. Now, may I say this? You should be too. Consistent in our Christian life. Consistent means reliable, steady, dependent, unfailing. Hmm. Could that be said about you this morning? Are you consistent? Or you may be wishy-washy. They said, we got a problem, fellas. we got some widows here that are not being taken care of, and the tables need to be taken care of. I need somebody to do it. But they wanted somebody that was going to do it and keep doing it. And doing it not for their own sake, but for the sake of others. They weren't looking for glory. They were looking to glorify somebody, and the Lord was the one. Amen. Are you with me this morning? Number three, we need consecrated Christians. He said, full of the Holy Ghost, verse three. Full of the Holy Ghost. 
Bible says in Ephesians chapter 5, verse number 18, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. I said in my Sunday school class this morning, don't let the charismatic scare you about the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit came to live within you and you got saved. But the fact of the matter is, Holy Spirit doesn't have most everybody filled because we don't allow Him. We have him there, we, he is, is there living within us right now, but we're to be filled. And we look at these men here, and, and if, if it was deacons, deacons ought to be filled with the Spirit. But the fact of the matter is, when I read to you there in Ephesians 5.18, do you know the apostle was not talking to just deacons? Because when I go back and I, and I look at that, Paul was writing exhorting pastors. He was exhorting members. He was exhorting husbands and wives and parents. I mean, and don't go to it now, but if you go this afternoon, you go look at that, you find out right down the line, he goes down about, about parents. Uh, children, honor your, your parents. And he talks about parents, what they're supposed to be. Husbands, loving your wives. Wives, honoring your husband. It goes on. He's talking to all them. Starts out by being filled with the Spirit. He's, he's talked about the servants. He talked about the masters. You see, what it was about was not just the deacons, not just the pastor, but everybody needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Those folks waiting on the tables, these men here, they're taking care of the wheels. They need filled with the Holy Spirit. You see, when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you're that witness to have honest report and have that wisdom, you're not going to just do it for a little bit and then quit. Those men did not say, well, we got beaten. Well, they didn't like us. They said some things about us. We're going somewhere else. No, they didn't go somewhere else. They just went from house to house. They kept doing what they had been doing. Ladies and gentlemen, let me tell you something. We ought never, ever, ever stop serving God. It's not hard to be filled with the Spirit. First of all, you pray for forgiveness and cleansing. It may take a while. Amen. Secondly, you ask God to fill you with his spirit. We all know how to ask for things. How about this? Y'all ask for new this and new that. How about we start asking for the Holy Spirit to fill us? And then we are, as we do it, be sincere about it. Well, Lord, I just want you to fill me so I can go and show off for everybody in the church. So I can say I'm better than you. No, you're not that. That's not what it's about. It's about being sincere. These men took this task of taking care of the widows and taking care of the tables as something very important. So important that they were men of honest report, men filled with the Holy Spirit, and then also men of wisdom. I think that wisdom is this, a common sense, which is my fourth point. Full of wisdom. They weren't full of self. You say, why, why do you think this is Because wisdom comes from God. Bible says if you lack wisdom, let him ask of who? God. God give us wisdom. He was saying to these helpers, the Bible school helpers, the Sunday school teachers, the church members, the nursery workers, the junior church folks, the members of the church, the saints. Amen. I just don't know why 
why so-and-so's not taking care of this? Well, if you, you know, if God pointed it out to you, maybe he meant for you to do something about it. But you know what you can do? You can murmur. You can whisper it to somebody else. Well, better shut up. Preacher's coming now. Why don't we be careful? And be men like these men here to do the simple things, the big things, the things that don't seem important, the things that don't get noticed. I'm sure a lot of people weren't saying, boy, those people waiting on tables were wonderful. I got a feeling they said, boy, that sermon was great. But so was important taking care of the tables, wasn't it? We have little kids come for Bible school. Little boys and girls who Jesus loves. That need somebody to love them and somebody to help them. And sometimes things don't go exactly the way we plan. I'm so tired of Christians taking their toys and going home. I want to say, you know what, no matter what, I'll serve him. What's interesting here, I don't find that the Grecians were helping out. And yet they were the ones who saw the problem, didn't they? They're murmuring, said, the Grecians, it said, the Grecians against the Hebrews. They were saying, man, these Hebrews aren't taking care of all the widows. I'm like, good night, boys. Why don't you do something? Well, no one asked me. <laughs> you know what? I don't think uh, it would hurt just to help out. Here's a novel idea. You ready? Without, a being, without being asked. Amen. I don't come in here and remove everything, move everything around in the church. <laughs> say, Pastor, I just thought that chair would look better down there. You keep your hands off to my chair. But I'm saying, you know what? You see somebody has a need. How about take care of it instead of gripe? I don't know why the preacher doesn't take care of it. I don't know why that Sunday school teacher didn't do it. I don't know why a deacon do that. Why don't, why don't I ask this? Why didn't you do something instead of murmur? Murmuring doesn't fix it. People fix it. Amen. To do something for the Lord or even anybody is going to take these things committed, consistent, consecrated, and people full of the Holy Spirit. I to try to keep it with the C's, common sense Christians. That's what it's going to take. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a ministry here that needs all of us to partner in it. Amen. To partner in it. Well, you know, I just don't want to get involved. Why don't you look at the work of God as being important? Amen. Because it is. The ministry that we have does not just remain in this building goes out from here but there's a lot right here but there's a lot out there that we can do for Christ if we would be like these men they chose them men of honest report full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom said whom we may appoint over this business but we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word and then we have the list of those men. And they prayed for them, laid their hands on them. Verse 7, and the word of God increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. 
and a great company of the priests were obedient to the faith. Man, that's what we need, isn't it? There's the secret. It's not sitting back watching. It's being involved. Partnering. Be a partner in the ministry. A partner in the ministry. Let's pray. With our heads bowed, our eyes closed this morning, maybe you're here, you're not sure of salvation. You say, preacher, I want to be a part of it. First thing is, you know, you'll never be filled with the Holy Spirit until you have the Holy Spirit. And that comes by way of salvation. I wonder if there'd be anyone here this morning who said, preacher, I don't know I'm going to heaven, but I'd like to know it. I don't know if I've ever been saved. Preacher, pray for me. Would you slip your hand up this morning? Preacher, I'm not. I don't know, but I'd like to. I trust each and every one of you do know the Lord's your Savior. I can't see your heart. Only you and God knows your heart. Let me ask you this. If you're saved, what are you doing for the Lord? What are you doing for the Lord? Are you a partner in the ministry? Or are you one of those Grecians? You know, I think they ought to do something. Lord, you notice this. Did a whisperer. Why don't you quit murmuring and do something? You think God could use you? I believe he can. Now, Father, I pray this invitation time that we would make some decisions. And really, Lord, I always believe we all make a decision during the invitation. We either decide to do something or we decide not to do something. We decide to listen to the Spirit of God and then we decide not to listen to the Spirit of God. Everybody's going to make a decision this morning. And Lord, I pray you'll speak to us and that we would make the right decision this morning. Father, bless this invitation time. In Jesus' name, amen. Should we